and our approach to everything that we're constantly looking for, oh, that's missing, that's broken, let's fix it. You know, the, the high achiever version of that is you come home with it, oh, look, I got a 98 on the test. And the first response is, what happened to the other two points? Right, exactly. Right, and, and so we get that unwritten rule-ishness of, oh, let's always look at being better, always look at being better, always look at being better, and notice how that's always really talking about doing better, not being better. Not being better, exactly. What if we chose to live by rules that were sent around? How do we be better at being who we be, at being ourselves? You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest today is David Taylor Klaus. David is a speaker, author, and leadership coach and he's on a mission to unearth and unleash the personal mastery of entrepreneurs and senior executives. Listen in as we talk about unwritten rules, the unwritten rules of self, family, history, culture, and beyond. It's a fast-paced conversation. It's fun. It's deep. There's a whole lot here. Join us now in the Trauma Hiders Club. David, I am so glad you're here. I am I'm excited to be here as well. Yeah, such a such a great energy that you bring and you light me up. I'm kind of recovering from my COVID bout, which I which felt like nothing when I was having it, when I was in it, but suddenly I've got this like lingering weirdness. So if I get weird, blame it on the COVID. Don't we all have a lingering weirdness? Yeah, well, I think we do, but I think mine is like morphing into some sort of reptilian, creepy, weird thing. I don't know. It's sitting in my nose and sort of gagging me. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit, a little bit well, like a lizard. Fingers crossed for you. Yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Okay. So David and I recently were riffing on unwritten rules and that conversation happened because David had posted on Facebook a live conversation, or maybe it was on video and turned live, whatever. It was a conversation about unwritten rules, which to me sparked this thought and this introspection around what are my unwritten rules. 
And then I dug a little deeper. What are the unwritten rules in my family? And we could keep going. What are the unwritten rules in our culture or our family culture or generationally, or, you know, we can go on forever. If you're open to it, David, I want to share just a few of the ones that I, that came up for me right away, because it, it could be an interesting way to look at this. So I think these were really important. At least these were really important to me. And I hadn't ever thought about that. And that is, it doesn't hurt to twist the truth every now and then. Mm. That was a family rule, which of course then became one of mine. White lies are okay. All lies are okay. And if we don't acknowledge it, it isn't real. Yeah, right? Those four. That that last one, that last one's a huge one. And that's, yeah, no, by the way, that all impactful, all, all, you know, valid and real. And none of them are true. Right. Right. None of them are true. And and I guess there's sort of a, here's what wants to come up. None of them are true unless you choose them to be. And, and I think that's the piece about unwritten rules that are so fascinating, at least to me, because if the unwritten rules that run our life and they run it completely unconsciously, it's only when we become conscious of them and begin to select which ones we wish to carry on and then make them a conscious part of how we run our life, right? Or how we choose to live our life. So it, are, are we, is our life being run by our unwritten rules or are there rules by which we have chosen to live our life? And sometimes those rules, particularly that last one, yeah. if, it's, if it's not spoken. Yeah, it isn't real. It isn't real. That's one that uh, I guess there's, the, there's a, a fuzzy little category in between the rules by which we choose to live our lives and the unwritten ones that run our lives are the semi-conscious ones that, that we allow to screw us up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and that's one of those where it's like, yeah, that's okay. If I just keep it in my head and I never say it out loud, that's why it's so powerful when we speak things out loud to our partners right. and we speak things out loud to our families that all of a sudden, once we've said it out loud, holy shit, it's real. And then we have to deal with it. Right. right. If we don't talk about it. Yeah. That one's a stinker. That is a stinker. And it's so scary, right? It's all of it becomes, right? It's like kind of the foundation of the Trauma Hiders Club. If we don't talk about it, it isn't real. No, if we don't talk about it, no one will know the thing that we believe happened. Oh, and by the way, over time, we're going to question whether or not it truly happened to us. Then we're going to question whether or not we actually have to deal with it. Then we're just going to say, fuck it and yeah. continue to, to suffer. Except, you know, it happened. Except we know it happened. But we can, if we don't acknowledge it. Nobody else does. Nobody else has to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so fascinating about that for me, and because the vast majority of my life spent in, if it's not acknowledged, is, isn't real. And then once I brought it out to the open to my parents, it still wasn't real because the response was, my mother said, I always thought you were a weird kid. So by the way, I was 21. I was 21 when this, so my childhood sexual abuse started at 10. I was 21 when I brought it to my parents. And my mom said, I always thought you were a weird kid. 
And my dad said, if you're in a room of 10 people, four of them will have also experienced the same thing you did. So then I became a statistic. I was weird. Right. (laughs) Whatever his numbers were wrong, but it didn't matter. But that's like you got reduced to. A you know, statistic. You got labeled by one and reduced to a statistic. By right, the other. right, right, right. They did wow. the best they could with what they knew at the time. I mean, yes. yeah, that that the, the only way we ever have relationships with the generations before us is we finally get some grace around the fact that they did the best they could with right. what they knew at the time. Right. That doesn't mean that what they did didn't suck. That's right. It did suck. Right. It did suck. <laughs> it did suck. <laughs> and yeah, by the way, anybody listening, if you have a child that comes out, don't say, "Oh my God, we already knew that." that 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 immediately diminishes the effort of what they just declared yeah that's that's one of the ways we stomp on our lgbtqia kids is i said oh yeah we all knew shut up (laughs) just say i hear you i love you um uh, because that's just adding trauma to trauma right but that's the piece once you label them or minimize them it takes away the experience it doesn't acknowledge your experience it it re-traumatizes you so at least, and that that can, I mean, the, the whole idea of what trauma does to writing these, um, to creating these unwritten rules. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, right. So th- we have the the family rules, and then my rules were things like I better show up fully in a big way that looks brave and courageous. Right when inside, I'm like, you better not see that I am rage and fragile and depleted and just in bits. Yeah, well, it's because the, the underlying unwritten rule was it's not okay to be human. That's it's right. not okay to be real or raw. It makes it performative. And it's the rule under the rule under the rule. And so, yeah, there, there are unwritten rules at the family level, at the societal level, at the cultural level. I'm sure they're embedded by the state. Right. Big word state, not the individual yeah. United States. Then there's faith-based, community-based. There, there are things that are foisted upon us through acculturation and education and socialization that, that leave marks. And whether they came, however many generations back they started, doesn't really matter. It's that they've been placed on or imprinted on. You know, one of the things you and I talked about was the, the way Don Miguel Ruiz talks about it is in his book, The Four Agreements, should be required reading for anybody that's a human. It's sort of a you know, owner's manual for your brain. Right. Talked about the idea of these agreements that are foisted upon us. He calls it domestication, right? They're not ours. We didn't choose them. They've been, we've inherited them. That's one lens through which you can look at unwritten rules because that's how they show up. The, the wake up moment is when you actually start to catalog them, to look at them, to list them, to name them. And these don't have to be declared to the world. This is just for you. Write them down. Yeah. Write down as many of them as you can unearth. Take your time. Come back to it and come back to it. Right. And then start looking at what are the unwritten rules underneath that unwritten rule that I've just written down. Like yeah. Just don't judge them. Don't judge you. Don't add on more judgment to family, parents, faith, community, whatever. Just list them. Right. You know, put on that hat of blameless discernment. No judgment, just listing. Oh, sounds so, then so you have the, easy and so oh, of hard. Of course it does. <laughs> so it's really easy when somebody gives instructions, right. but then you sit down to do the doing of it. And that's really the give yourself time. Yeah. And if it gets triggering, pause. Yeah. Come back to it later. 
give yourself time. The more you can stay in that blameless discernment, that fascinated anthropologist of, ooh, look what I just found here. Ooh, look what I found here. And just list it all. Yeah. Then you get a chance to play with any of these serve me, any of these that I want, any of these need to be rewritten into a way they'll serve. Play with them. Just test them out a little bit. I mean, chances are none of them will. <laughs> but, but that's, you know, it's not always true. There are some of the rules that you've inherited that the deeper into the list you go, the more you can uncover ones that are in line with your values. It takes a while to dig into those because the ones that are the most triggering are the ones that come up first. But then there's, you play with what are the intentions you want to replace them with? Mm. They may not be rules for you yet, but what are the intentions? So help me out here. If we were okay. to reverse engineer, if we don't acknowledge it, it isn't real. Because mm -hmm. I imagine it's not just me who has that role. Let's just play with that one for a moment. If we were intentional about it, what would we, what would we say instead? Yeah. So it's like, what do you want to be, what, what do you want to bring intention around or put attention to? You know, coming from the ADD world, <laughs> where do you want to put your attention? How do you want to be around those things that are inside your head that you've yet to speak out, that you've yet to deal with? When something surfaces that has yet to be spoken out, what's an intention you want to bring into your world around that? Hmm. Yeah. So for me, the intention that I want to be around that is, this is my experience. This is real. I am real. I am human. So what is the, there's not an intention in saying that though. No, that declaration is powerful. So don't, don't skip over that. Yeah. Yeah. So my intention with that is to be honest with myself. So, so let me offer one thing with that. Our brains make it really hard to be accurate. Honest and accurate are not necessarily identical. So hold this for just a moment. Because when we remember something, we're not really remembering what happened. We're remembering the last time we remembered it and re-encoded it. As we experience memories, we decode them, experience, encode them. It's a drastic oversimplification of what the brain does. And yet, each time we remember something, we're merely remembering the last time we remembered it. So it's like a giant game of telephone in our own brain. And it's not to invalidate anything in our memory. It's understanding that we're rem we have survived hundreds or thousands of times of remembering these things and re-encoding them. So it doesn't matter what honest or real about it. It's the invitation is to have a little grace. This is how I remember what I experienced. Mm -hmm. And that's real. And what's more important is the impact of how I remember what happened is incredibly real. <laughs> right. And so acknowledging that and giving yourself some grace, you have successfully survived every moment up until now. Hell yeah. So one overarching intention to bring to each one of these unwritten rules you look at is lighten up, Francis, bring a little, a little grace, <laughs> right? Ease up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because, it, because it's easy to bring judgment. Oh, for sure. And dealing with unwritten rules, not a cool place to bring judgment. It's kind of just add sucky to sucky. Yeah, it really does. In fact, when I started to write them down, I then went to this second part. And the second part was, whose voice do I hear? Oh, ah, that's a whole other conversation. And right? that yeah. was just clusterfuckery 
around and around. Right, because by the way, it's not where the rule originated. It's just the last place it got stored for you as the one who gave me this fucking rule. Yeah. And by the way, it can be, you know, a high school teacher or right. an elementary school coach or a parent or a grandparent or you name it. Sometimes it, it's faceless. But when you can attach where it came from, it's a lot easier to start saying, yeah, wow, that one's really not mine. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in the, in the creating of your own while they're beneficial to you, right? I mean, there could be unwritten rules that are beneficial, I suppose. It's also how they're processed too, right? right. So, so we have one of the rules that you and I talked about before is this absurd twisted one that many of us have, me too, that I wrestle with all the time, which is the fiercer the dragon, the sweeter the victory. Like the harder it is to do, the more value it has, which by the way, the, the official technical term is that's bullshit. And it's what creates heartaholics and it's what adds trauma on trauma. It's just awful. Those of us who wrestle with that one make even the simplest things hard so that they'll feel like they're valuable. And wow, man, ease and flow don't live in that place. No. Navigating that one, I completely forgot where we were going. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. but. What I had said was there are unwritten rules that can be beneficial. And that was a yes and. And I, there's a yes it and It can no be about. beneficial, but it depends on the lens through which you're looking yes. at. Yes. Because the saboteur voices, the hyperachiever style saboteur can say, yeah, but <laughs> all those things you've made hard, you've succeeded at. And that's why you've gotten to where you've gotten. It wouldn't be a success if you didn't. It's right. the lies of that negative narrative. So yeah, it could be helpful if it wasn't coming through the lens of that judgy little shit in your head. Right. Right. And when you look at positive intelligence and the work that Shirzad Shamin does with saboteurs, you, you start to see the way the saboteur lies to maintain their own existence. Yes, they're there to protect you. Wow, they do it in a sick, twisted way. Mm. Right. So yeah, that, that unwritten rule could serve. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. It could serve, but usually the foundation on which it's built or the way it's held is what makes it not serve, can't serve, won't serve. Yeah. So, you know, adding an intention to it is, you know, one of the places, one of the ways that I replace that one is we have such a cultural stain around the world, the word easy. You know, it, it pretty quickly goes to, oh, you like easy? <laughs> You're just lazy, right? I mean, it goes into judgment super fast through other unwritten rules and that kind of, that channel. It's like, wow, what if there was ease? What would this look like if it were easeful? Mm -hmm. Easeful is different than easy because something that's full of ease doesn't mean it's devoid of effort. You have a lot of effort into something that has, that's easeful. But what will this look like when it's easeful? What will mm -hmm. it look like when there's ease and flow that's part of this? Yeah. And so how do you replace... <laughs> the sweeter, I mean, the, the fiercer the dragon. Dude, I don't need to get bloody just to do the simplest thing. Right. Love that. There's yeah. always an easeful way to do whatever we do. The question is, where can I bring easeful here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. You're using easeful. I want to use easy. I want to use easy. I, I see peace in easy. Yet. Mm -hmm. When I hear ease, it, it feels peaceful, right? But easy 
I mean, easy is kind of, that's kind of how I run my coaching practice. <laughs> easy and lazy, man. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, Microsoft, Apple, and, and Google have all talked about at different times in different ways, their joy in hiring lazy programmers. Yeah. Again, air quotes. Because there are developers who will look for the easiest or that we would say the most easeful way to create something without ending up a kludge, which is really just crappy code, right? They're looking for the easiest way to do it because they don't want to put a lot of work into it. Yeah, exactly. They want to make get the fastest route to it. And it's made for some brilliant advances in platforms and code. We have a tendency culturally to overcomplicate things. Yes. Yeah. Complexity is, the simplicity on the other side of complexity is a brilliant place to focus. When we get, it's, it's easeful. <laughs> Right, right. You know, I it, it's interesting. I see our, it's totally going off on a different subject, but that's okay. It's my fucking show. Anyway, that's right. through the pandemic, the ease of pajamas all day has certainly created incredible growth in the loungewear, <laughs> right? Like good looking loungewear. Oh, yeah clothing area, genre, if you will. And it's interesting because we were wearing complicated fucking clothes that made work even harder, right? Why couldn't, why couldn't we just work comfortably? Yeah, well. What is that whole thing? What is that whole thing with suits and ties? And look, when I was starting my career, it was pantyhose and high heels. I, I don't even know if pantyhose are still sold. <laughs> I'm sure they're still sold. <laughs> I, I, you know, I not. wonder. I wonder how the market is. Yeah. Do you remember in like it, it was before it was called CVS? There was like the legs, eggs. Uh, yeah, the eggs. The, the egg. egg the, just, a whole yeah. rack as soon as you walked in. Yeah. That's not. That's not a thing anymore. That's not a thing. Thank God. Yeah. So ease and easy people. Let's celebrate that. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Look, things that constrain our humanity, and I think that you know, unwritten rules all the way to pantyhose, they all flow. Right. There's actually there's actually a researcher. Now, granted, he did have a bias because he loathed ties, and nobody in his lab was ever allowed to use ties. So how he ever got funding to do this research boggles my mind because he was clearly biased. But he actually, there's some peer-reviewed research on the idea that neckties are bad for you. It allegedly limits blood flow to the brain. Oh my gosh, so I love that. It minimizes creativity in any knowledge work. So or diminishes, not minimizes. But when I launched my coaching practice 13 years ago, I stopped wearing ties. Yeah. Absolutely. I wear ties for black tie. That's it. Yeah. But yep. there are choices that we make that are foisted upon us culturally. And again, we can choose to engage or not engage. And by the way, it's not that they're not repercussions for it. I mean, you know, there are places you go that require a coat and tie or there were. And I think that as our culture shifts, as we, air quotes again, come out of the pandemic or slowly trickle emerge into the next new abnormal, we're redefining a lot of what culture looks like, what home looks like, what office looks like, what space looks like. And wow. If we keep trying to jam things back into the constraints that were, it 
keeps us from creating what's next. I think one of the brilliant things that the pandemic has done for us is what your listeners can't see is I have a blank frame on my wall and all there is is sheetrock inside it. And you know, I'm in a place where over the last six months, I've begun to create a lot of blank space in my world because blank space is where we create from. And the more crowded shit is, the harder it is to create. So the pandemic has created a ton of blank space. Mm-hmm. I had a, a next door neighbor who early on in the pandemic no longer had to do an hour and a half commute every day, yeah. 45 there, 45 back. And he said he used that hour and a half to exercise. Amazing. Uh, he lost a ludicrous number of pounds. He lost half a person. Wow. But it was, he never had the space in his world to do things or it would have come at the expense of other things. And it gave him the grace of blank space that he could do something else with. And there are people who now that they work remote, I don't want to live in XYZ city. I want to go live over there. If I don't have to go into the bloody office, I can go live there. Blank space from which they can co-create with the universe. What's next? That is brilliant. That's so and brilliant. I don't think we're seeing that. I mean, yeah, I know that I was an empty. This, <laughs> my wife and I were empty nesters from August 26, 2019 through March 19, 2020. <laughs> when <laughs> our two then college-age children just arrived on our doorstep again. And we thought we had blank space coming. <laughs> no. But it changed the nature of the relationships mm-hmm. with our children because all of a sudden we had them in a space of a relationship that you don't get with grown children. Right. And it allowed, it facilitated the different creation space for the next style of, (laughs) from adult parent of college age child to adult parent of adult children. And it changed, it gave us space to create that. And it's given us space to create something different in each of our businesses. It's so easy to look at the pandemic and say, oh, look at all the shit we lost. Our our middleist who (laughs) graduated from college in our front lawn and has been applying to medical school and living here it's like she talks about it as the day i was evicted from my happy life Mm. and bless her heart i get it yeah it's really easy to look at it and go wow look at everything that got screwed up Mm. guess what that's another unwritten rule that's right that's right i'll blame it back on the origins of of continuous quality improvement (laughs) that we've trained ourselves culturally to look at what's broken what's missing what's fucked up and how do we fix it and that break-fix mentality has shaped our healthcare, mm-hmm. our, our sick care industry, right? And our approach to everything that we're constantly looking for, oh, that's missing, let's fill it. That's broken, let's fix it. You know, the, the high achiever version of that is you come home with it, oh, look, I got a 98 on the test. And the first response is, what happened to the other two points? Right, exactly. Right, and, and so- we get that unwritten rule-ishness of, oh, let's always look at being better, always look at being better, always look at being better. And notice how that's always really talking about doing better, not being better. Not being better, exactly. The unwritten rule is focusing on doing better as opposed to being better. Mm -hmm. What if we chose to live by rules that were centered around, how do we be better at being who we be, at being ourselves? Oh, mind blower. Cool way, right. Right, right. Which, speaking of ease slash easy, that is the easiest way to be. (laughs) It's the most difficult and the easiest. Yeah, it's the only damn thing you can control. (laughs) That's 
you and your response to the world. That's, That's right. That's right. How many years? I mean, I can't tell. I don't even know how many years I spent trying to be somebody else from, for a few reasons. One, this is going to be the victim me. I was told in many, many jobs, we love you for you. Now stop being you and be more us. Yes. Right. So yeah. I'm like, all right, well, now how am I going to be more them when they Leave love your heart me? and soul in the glove compartment in the parking lot? Right. And then put on your armor and come in doing us. Doing us, but be you. Like, talk about a clusterfuck, right? I chose it because I went every day to do it. And once I came to hold on a minute, that, that, like, I keep looking out the window and I see freedom out there. That's when, like, the world changed. Like, I, the easiest person for me to be is me. So I'm going to go be me now. Do me, be me, whatever the hell that means. And it was the most difficult, useful thing I've ever done. <laughs> right. You look back at it, it was a lot easier than it was at the moment. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah the inertia that keeps you sitting still. Um, I've got a friend who's a, a, now an executive coach. And, um, oh, my God, he was number two in finance at uh, a large biotech firm. I don't think there are small ones. Anyways, <laughs> at a massive biotech firm. And he's sitting in an executive meeting, and it's just a continuation, continuation of the baton death march of mold yourself into this, mold yourself into this. And he loathed what was happening there. It was all out of sync with his values. And he, I mean, it's the fantasy moment. I only wish there was a camera there. He stood up and walked out of the meeting, walked out of the building, came back two weeks later to collect all his shit. He left, <laughs> just left. Love that. I mean, in so many of his dream it for, you know, the, a version that usually has violence attached as well. He just walked out of the shitstorm to go create another version of his life that was more in alignment with his values. Yes. And wow, the inertia that keeps one still, keeps one glued to their proverbial chair, that's actually energetically harder. Yes. To withstand the suckiness. And to stay in it and constantly morph the way you appear to others to conform more to those unwritten rules takes so much more time, effort, energy, and attention. The only four currencies that matter, time, effort, energy, and attention, than deciding what you want to be different and then going after it. Yes. Yes. There it is. It just looks like the opposite. It just looks like the opposite. It looks so scary over there. Well, everybody else is doing the sit here stuck and very yes. few people are doing that. So I want to stay with the mass right. because this goes way back. Talk about epigenetic cascade of shit that, you know, when we were tribal and just barely out of the trees a couple hundred thousand years ago, if we alienate, were alienated from the tribe, we died. Right. If they were, if, you know, the 30 people we were with were going over that hill and we said, no, let's go over that hill. If you went over that hill without them, you, you are not going to survive. Right. So who we all are now are the descendants of <laughs> an anxious, terrified groupthink mass of humanity. That's what it took to survive till now. There are no saber-toothed tigers. Nope. We are not going to get eaten by something much larger than we are. Yes. We still react at the same fear of not belonging means death. 
Absolutely. And so we conform ourselves. And that's the unwritten rule of all unwritten rules. And it's the lie of all lies. Yes, belonging is important, but not being yourself is the, is the key to not belonging. Dang. Mic drop. I think we're done. I think we're Let's done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That incredible. Beautiful. Thank you. I'll give you, I'll give you one last piece of that belonging thing. Yeah. You know, our mid, our middle is who's doing this whole nightmare, by the way, of becoming a, a med school student. I understand. To med school. I have a third year med student. In, <sighs> yes. My son, my oldest son. Your eldest did this before the pandemic because now it's a special form of health. So Sydney is um, dyslexic and has ADD. And mm-hmm. when it came to the personal statements and the essays, Sydney has written over 120 essays throughout mm-hmm. the medical school application process. There was a huge discussion about whether you disclose that you have ADHD or dyslexia. Elementary schools, high schools, even colleges all make accommodations for that. Spoiler alert, so do med school. Yeah. Here's the thing. Sydney was really angsty about, do I let them know or do I not? And then her epiphany was, I don't want to belong somewhere where I have to hide a big part of who I am Mm. to belong. Yes. Wants to be accepted somewhere for who she is, not who she performs as. Right. And if, if a school says no because of part of her wiring, fuck them. Right. It's not going to work. There are other places to go, other places to be. There are. Because inviting three more years plus, 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 plus of pretending to be something you're not, doing a version of you that isn't who you be, that is disastrous. That is, that is unhealthy and not what you want your physicians to be trained to be. Not at all. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm so impressed and amazed by that EQ, that awareness, that, in, that core intelligence to say, no, I want to belong based on who I be, not what I do. Yes. Yeah, what if um, we were that smart that young? That's right. That's right. Incredibly insightful and brilliant. Yeah. Two closing questions. Okay. One, what's been most helpful for you today being in the Trauma Hiders Club? huge normalization. Mm. Again, it's just reinforcing the fact that all, <laughs> all of us deal with all kinds of stuff and it's perfectly normal and part of being who we be. Yeah. Great reminder. Yes, that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Even just the name. How about that? Itself a gorgeous reminder. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, one last question for you. What are you most excited about in your world? I'm, I'm pointing. Yeah, the blank space. The blank space. I'm, I'm so excited by the blank space. I created from blank space before. I have created from frenetic craziness. The latter really doesn't work. No. <laughs> it doesn't mean I haven't done it. It just means it's like trying to push a piece of string. And I am, I am very committed to creating ease and flow everywhere I can in my world. I, I, my, my first. 50 years may not have been characterized by that, but my, my second 50 will be. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm most excited by blank space and whatever it is that comes from it. I love it. I love it. Well, flow with me down the river because I'm right there with you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I know that the Trauma Hiders Club listeners will really love this conversation. 
And I love this conversation. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.